Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Um, my name is Ethan Bird. And I am Nick Donahue. Seven of season two of the Unexceptional Americans podcast. And we are uh, recording here um, Sunday, or sorry, Monday. Wow. I did not yes. know what day it was. Monday, November 9th, almost a week after the election, but only a couple days after um, the lamestream media called the uh, called the raise against our glorious president, God Emperor Donald Trump, and for sleepy um, pro China, China Gate in the pockets of China, sleepy Joe Biden. Has for um, radical Muslim also who's a radical yes Joseph Biden's real name is Yusuf Al Biden uh, Rabanid bin Eden that is his full name and he is he he is the Muslim. Brotherhood infiltration that we've been talking about that we've been fearing for for ten years. Uh, they, since that uh since 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 that Malaysian sleeper agent Barack Hussein Obama was put in the White House. Um, no, because um, you know, they, we, we thought we thought it would be Obama because he has a connection to Kenya and he has the middle name Hussein and he's black, but which is what they think out. Obama was a fake. Obama was just a distraction. They deliberately faked us out because little known, it, it, it's, it's called takia in the Quran. It's called, you have to, you have to nominate, you have to put up for, um, you have to put up in front of, to fool the infidels, you must fake them out by first presenting to them a kindly uh charismatic uh person candidate like barack obama who seems so obviously to be a person of the book a follower of the one true light and the way a, a, a believer in the prophet peace be upon him you have to put up a man who obviously would be like that and then spends eight years trying to prove to you that he's not. And as a result, your guard is lowered. Then you got to wait four years for the spirit of shaitan to wreak its havoc um, via, the act- via the actions of the white pig man, the Yakubian figure of Donald Trump. Um, and that's when Yusuf Rabanid Ibn Idin has... Uh, has to sweep in on the platform of the, uh, I don't know, the American uh, Islamic Dawa Party, <laughs> uh, the Supreme Revolutionary Islamic Council of, uh, of America, um, headed by him and Kamala Harris, which is, uh, th- that it's, it's there, it's in the Quran, read it, read the hadiths. Sam Harris will tell you because he's very good at reading hadith. Jesus Christ, why are you to bring him up? Now Matt. <laughs> Sam um, Harris. What what is it? His the Quillium or whatever, the fucking like magazine that he founded this Quillette? Quillette. He found, yeah. He founded Quillette? No, but 
I had no <laughs> idea. Oh, uh, I was gonna say I could believe that. I just didn't know. Also, uh, sorry if you to told me Dave Rubin founded Quillette. I would believe you. I have no idea who actually works for them. I think All it I was um, kind of spat with one of Sam people. Harris's token Muslim friends. Oh, was it uh, Najid Nawaz? Oh, I think I think that's it. Because um, there's one guy that he always has on. I'm pretty sure. Founded by Claire on. Lemon. Who's Lemon? Claire Lemon. What kind of name is that? <laughs> Why did these? Oh, Layman. Lay I'm sorry. I was. I wasn't saying. I was going to say well, that's still a weird name. These people. No, that's a Jewish him. name. Come on, we can't. Wait, what name? What was like it? Layman, like Layman Brothers. Oh, okay. For some reason, my brain just immediately went like Lay L A Y Man. I don't know. <laughs> no. Even though I know. <laughs> that's a weird name. <laughs> it's a weird name. <laughs> Never mind. They're just Nick goes full Alex Jones. Just. <laughs> They're they're lying to you, folks. They're lying to you. There's no such name as a Lehman Brothers. It was oh, she's the one who broke the story about Google engineer James Damore. And then she founded the magazine because it was censored in some Australian newspaper. Oh, who cares? Oh, she's a she's not even real. Who cares? No, she's only thirty five. Holy shit, she um. Barry Weiss regards Lehman as one of the leaders of the IDW. <laughs> S- Bear- says, did Barry Weiss meet her when the New York Times sent her into exile in Australia for like those few months? Because they were just... I don't know, but it says the Sydney Morning Herald her. named Lehman and their 10 Aussies who shook the world in tech and media in 2018, citing that her online media or yeah, online magazine the world as if no one has ever heard of her. Followers. When Australians say someone... So when she- Shook the world. When Australians say someone has shook the world, it's actually an expression for um, they've had sex with a kangaroo. <laughs> Wait, um, really? I have no idea. No. You, you tell me. Did it ding out <laughs> eat your baby? Um, does this, the baobab uh, tree fit? Did it, um, does, does the, does the does, eucalyptus leaf fit in your mouth there? <laughs> Uh, Couch fit in the kangaroo. No, that um, is Australian slang for "Did you pee? Did you leave pee on the toilet seat again?" <laughs> um, so, um, but so she's Australia, thirty-five now. In twenty fifteen, she was thirty. She was, you know, a young blood, and she wrote that. She wrote that story. <laughs> she, I never knew that this like thirty-year-old blonde lady was like pulling the strings on the entire IDW. <laughs> Nick, are you good? Pulling, she's pulling them through. Uh, through Sorry, the, I, I just realized in light of the in light of the Jewish name, saying the pulling the strings may not been the best choice of words. But <laughs> you're doing tropes, Ethan. How do you feel about but, that? You're I'm doing sorry. tropes. She, you and Ilan Omar, you're always doing tropes. Everything you say is a trope. Can't help it. I just. You, you oh God. Oh no. You. This is actually. This is actually. Like, you are that. being. No, we, are, um, we are going to find a person of color to run against you in a primary one day um with literally no platform just you're just you do tropes that's the platform well sucks sucks for them i'm not i'm not up for a primary i'm the chairman of the vanguard party so there's no there's no (laughs) primary here there's no (laughs) there's there are no primary in canada like every single seat is done as a like for member of parliament is done like a caucus style what? Like, you, the, for, for, ever... sorry, for, for the primary process to nominate oh. each party. 
they, that still like, sucks. They had these, they had these big meeting halls and everyone, but it's like a, it's like voting, but not really. Like it's, I know a caucus is like that, but like everyone has to come in and scan like they're some code that they're a member of the party and they had to sit down. And there was a big controversy at some of these places last year. And, and it, like, as there, as you would expect, there's always controversy in politics, but like, it's just, I didn't think Canada for all of their so-called enlightenment. And, and this is something I really wanted to point out um, since we're talking about the aftermath of the election. Um, Joe Biden, is to the left of our punky savior, Justin Trudeau, on pipelines. I did not realize this. Justin Trudeau is going to um, lobby Joe Biden. And unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised if he's successful knowing who Joe Biden is. But Joe Biden's official position as of today, as of this whole campaign, has been to reverse the Keystone XL pipeline permit. Because Obama didn't want to extend it either at one point. I think he wanted to, but then he didn't. He didn't do the the XL. He built the well, whole. He wanted, but didn't want to do everything in his presidency. Let's be real. Obama yeah. was constantly stuck in a state of indecision. Um, but Trudeau <laughs> well, um, was happy Trudeau, that Trump, do, do, Trump do opened the up the pipeline, and now Trudeau's going to try to persuade Biden. And a lot of leftist Canadians that I, I've seen online have been pointing out this fact to say, you know, Justin Trudeau wants to act so progressive, but he's literally not as progressive as Jim Crow Joe over here on this issue. And well, on many other issues, well, to Justin be honest. Trudeau I mean, is like the most vehemently pro big oil head of state in the world. Like he nationalized the pipeline because the oil company didn't want to deal with it anymore. Like an oil company yeah. was built like that happened. Right? He he under the he had the government buy a pipeline when the company that was in charge of it was like, we don't want to deal with the pro. OK, there's too many protesters getting in the way of this. The construction companies are giving us a hard time we might go bankrupt. We're done on this. And he bought the pipeline from them to bail them out. And also then to have the government force through the completion of construction. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about Canadian um, environmental um, misdeeds, I guess, I mean, there's so many of them, but there's a great documentary on Netflix called there's something in the water that I watched recently. It's about in Nova Scotia, actually, there's um, three communities that go around and, it's not just Trudeau. It's been going on for a long time in Canada, but the, uh, the, for such a, I mean, it's because the country has so many natural resources. It's so massive, right? Even for not that many people, there's so much. And yeah. there's obviously a lot of thirst. There's a lot of untapped land in, that, in, in Canada. What'd you say, sorry? There's a lot of untapped land. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of untapped Wait, land. Did you just, what'd you just call me? For a second there, I couldn't, it sounded like you were, I, you said, you said, what'd you say there? And then I didn't hear what you said after that. And, and no, I, I just said, like, what'd you say there? Oh, for a second there. I, did, I didn't like, call you, you anything. For a second, it sounded like, what'd you say there, darling? <laughs> no, I, I'm not that crazy after this, uh, this, this whole week has made me go crazy though. I mean, just like following election 24 7 was not a good idea but um, every day i wake up and it's still the election but not anymore um not for anymore. all that president trump wants to uh wants to morning has broken in america um <laughs> he's he's going crazy and um this is awesome yeah <laughs> is... and there's no chance that he's lost it's happening fox news cut out kaylee mcenany's press conference today fox because... news Dude, he's done. He's dead. Trump is they, gone. They said that we can't continue to air this with all the unsubstantiated claims she's making. 
Rupert Murdoch has fully pulled the plug. This is thought he already sold Fox News or something. But he still has. He didn't know. They sold off um, Fox News's old parent company to Dis. I think for sure Disney bought 20th Century Fox, but they spun off Fox News as its own company because the media components of Fox were just are such toxic assets that Disney didn't want to touch them. So they spun off access like Laura Ingram. Yeah. So they split off the media part of Fox, the news, the local stations, um, the national, the Fox news stations, uh, the, um, I I think New York post is in this same parent company in the same mess of news corp subsidiaries. They spun them all off and then spun off the, the stu- the movie studio and the non-news TV stations um, off into their own, all the non-news assets into their own thing that got sold off to Disney. Um, I think Disney. Um, probably, because Disney buys, if, if there's a merger or an acquisition going on in the entertainment or media world, it's Disney. Um, and, you know, it's a safe bet. But uh, Rupert Murdoch still maintains a level of it's like the scene in Bombshell. If you've seen, if as, if anybody saw that movie, it was the movie about the Fox News Roger Ailes uh, sex scandal, the Me Too scandal that, you know, basically led to this half overturning of leadership in Fox News. And at the end of the movie, um, Rupert Murdoch makes an appearance, and he he and his sons burst into Fox News into the building, and say Roger's gone. All you are done. Everything that was going on here with Ro- anything that was happening with Roger Ailes that he was doing, it's done. Everything's we're turning a whole new page. And if any of you have a problem with that, by the way, you can leave. Feel free. We don't care. Like the Murdochs are very aggressive. Um, very when they want to assert their authority, they reassert their authority very strongly. And we've seen that at Fox News over the past week since the election um basically it was clear that you know there's this speaking of bombshell because in the the beginning uh there's a line where roger ailes says a conversation that basically most people know happened where during the first couple primary debates um in 2016 it became clear trump was leading the pack um by far by being such an asshole um Roger Ailes was basically being asked by like Megyn Kelly, like, we can't deal with this guy. Are you kidding me? He's a pig. And Roger Ailes was like, listen, he sucks. He's a jerk, but suck it up. He's what our viewers want. And I just got word from upstairs as in, and you know, Roger Ailes got word from Murdoch from upstairs, like Trump's running away with it, run with him, you know, go with it. And now Murdoch has said, nope, sorry. He lost. He's done. Call call Arizona. Call Arizona before anybody else. Fox oh, Georgia, dude. Uh, come on, Fox News. Here's your orders. Um, go call for Joe. Go call the race for Joe Biden. Go go try to swing it for him. Go go to bat for the and opposite. I'm going party. OAN, brother. Nothing else for me. I'm going to OAN. I'm switching over to OAN. Fox News is fake Trump, news. Trump Trump TV is, Trump TV is gonna fucking go through the roof. Fox, Trump Fox TV News is, is going to be so. Fox News is in the league with Obama. But the, but like, will those cable companies 
like take take a stand and like not carry it because Fox News paid them all to get on there, which is you know totally different than what most well um, OAN is on works. TV. So OAN is on TV. OAN is on TV. I have it with through DirecTV. I could watch OAN. You watch it every day. I'm I'm assuming their production values are quite low. Like it's it's a poorly produced TV network. But Trump TV will not. Be. It's on TV. Trump TV will not be poorly produced. Yeah, but will tr- uh, why would you make Trump TV when he can just buy OAN and build it into something? Well, like I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, and I think that's what's not he really do, functionally any different as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it, it's easier than creating TNN, you know, Trump News Network, which is what we would have gotten in 2016 if he lost. I think that was his original plan. Him and well, yeah, him but um, to start TNN. What if Trump becomes? What if Trump becomes a live streamer though? He could just stream for like 15 hours a day from his basement. And he could just be speaking directly to the base. By the way, I have a great tweet for you, Nick. Um, four hours ago, Dinesh D'Souza, did you see this? Yes. There, there is a great shift underway. We are, all 70 million of us and our families, going to make our exit out of liberal institutions of indoctrination. This means schools, universities, media, entertainment. This won't happen overnight, but it's happening already. We're out of here. So the so what is that just you guys already have that it's called private schools called Prager most U. Republicans I know I have a BA already, from Prager U most most Republicans I know already have done that as in they all go to private school and have for their entire lives what about the good working class Republicans yeah not, not about but not what about the working what about middle class Republicans who uh you know, they they have they they went to college and they well, have vouchers. a job. Uh, yeah, well, that's what that's what school we'll vouchers are all about. Which is it's so that they can let the middle class. It's a, that is literally subsidies. That's welfare. That is, <laughs> we are giving you money to go to a different. To, we are paying you to send your kids somewhere else. Um, and also, I should point out. Um, this is totally off topic, but a victory for uh, public education in Ohio in the school board district that I live in, um, which went in, last time it was up for 2016, it went to a far right Tea Party nut job. Um, 68% of the vote voted for her in 2016, but she narrowly lost this time. And there will now be a somewhat reasonable lib on the, uh, on the Ohio Board of Education. So, um, and this is uh, obviously something I've been talking about, we've, we've been talking about before, but like if you are, in a uh, in a district or state with a very lackluster board of education or a straight up crazy right wing board of education, definitely should run. Definitely should organize for those seats. They don't take much to win um, compared to other, you know, offices. Yep. So, like, if we can flip the state board of educations in a lot of these states, that can actually make a big difference. So, That's uh, true. we're talking about uh, these kinds of things. If you want to indoctrinate the kids with leftist propaganda even further, which is what all of us should be trying to do. I mean, that's the whole goal. We're going to make Unexceptional Americans University and make shitty YouTube videos that... You have no idea. That is my dream. That is literally my goal in life. I want to have Dennis Prager's job, but for the left. Like, actually, no, my, my goal, my dream is actually Alex Jones's job, but for the left. I want to Go be off able against, to... like... So I can scream at people and do a crazy voice and act like a corporations are putting chemical in your food to make you weak and passive 
they are literally putting estrogen in the plastic and it is triggering puberty early in girls. Look it up. They are literally putting, I, I would do, I would say like, like the frogs gay thing. That's actually kind of true. People don't know this, but Alex Jones is actually referring to actual research done that shows that chemical companies that were making plastics, the, the amount of estrogen that they ended up pumping into the water through the chemicals that they were using was turning frogs into hermaphrodites. They were literally changed, their sex organs were literally flipping, changing. Into Freaking frogs gave, do you and understand? Alex Jones somehow translated it into, and I don't like, and I'm sick of the fact that they're putting chemicals in the water that are turning the freaking frogs gay. <clears throat> Sick of this crap. Um, but like in real life, I would. His name it. is Hassan. His name is Hassan. He is a pervert. <laughs> it, this is, he said America deserves 9 11. What, what are you doing? How could you say such a thing? Says the man who spent the entire Bush administration saying that Bush is Hitler and that he did 9-11 and that it was the same thing as the Reichstag fires. I gotta say, I lost Thank a lot you, of respect. I, got, I lost even more respect for Alex Jones, which I had none to begin with, of course, but... I have um, more respect when, for 2001 Alex Jones. Who, yeah. I have more respect for Bush did 9-11 Alex Jones than I do, than I do for the drunken husk of, of a beluga whale that he is now he's like, literally a beached whale when trump got in like it just kind of like it totally went mask off because like for bush and obama which are you know different parties but he was still against both of them and still talking about all these conspiracies and then as soon as trump gets in there it's like well trump is the target of all these conspiracies but he, he never this party did yeah it's like, like yeah. that's the thing i can't get over with alex jones it's like you think these people did 9-11 you think these people literally are personally the ones who carried Purple it out? Demons. Like, like Alex Jones is not. When Alex Jones says Bush did 9/11, he's not. When he thinks the Republican Party did 9/11, when he was saying that, he didn't mean it in the like, oh, the like objective fact kind of way where we know at the very least George Bush did not take a serious threat seriously and and therefore ended up allowing it to happen. Um, or he did. He didn't take any actions to stop it. Um, yeah. Like he should have seen it coming. Didn't do anything to stop it. And there's a lot of sketchy stuff where it looks like there's a lot of evidence. There, like there's a, there's sketchy stuff in terms that that largely adds up to incompetence or knowing something was happening and stepping out of the way or whatever. There's sketchy stuff and whatever. But Alex Jones's whole theory about 9/11 is that literally. George Bush, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, the entire leadership of the Bush administration and the Republican Party and, I don't know, the Bilderbergers and the Saudis got into a room and planned out 9-11, like literally drew it up. He thinks that. How do you then become such a cuck for the Republican Party so few years later? You think they did 9-11. You think they were in a room with Osama bin Laden and planned it out. How do you think that these people, that the same people who are now, are now good guys because they work for Donald Trump, 
which you know like with me i get very fired up in a similar way because of the iraq war it's like why do you think how do you think trump is a populist or anti-war or isolationist or whatever he hired the people who did iraq this is the party that did iraq these people don't are not sincere about anything they will lie to kill a million people and have no remorse in fact they will be proud about it and flaunt it if you're you know a particularly disgusting neocon um that's the thing i just can't that's one thing i just can't wrap my my mind around with what's happened with conspiracy theorists um and i say that with all the love in the world for them because they're interesting people and they talk about things that don't get talked well, about. Conspiracy and Trump have kind of gone hand in hand since day one. Yes. Definitely. You'd be hard pressed to find a Trump supporter that's not a bit of a conspiracy theorist just because at this point he spouts off so many insane things. And if you have to defend all that, like you have to believe it too. So you have to believe that there's like a that there is a there is a genuine top to bottom targeted initiative in all of these states to rig the election for Joe Biden, including in states with Republican election officials, but that they forgot to deliver the Senate and the House, or yeah. the Senate to Democrats and more House gains to Democrats, yeah, which they, is just yeah, ridiculous. The, that's the awesome thing about the whole idea of the, like, the Democrats somehow rigged this. It's like, first off, if the Democrats were competent enough to rig an election, you'd think maybe they'd look at look a bit more decisive than this. It wouldn't take five days for results to come in. <laughs> like, A, it wouldn't be this dumb. It wouldn't take this long. Also, why would their plan for stealing the election not include stealing the Senate? And why would it include losing races that they, losing in states where they thought they were going to win. <laughs> like, why Why would it involve losing Florida and or losing Texas, North Carolina? Yeah. Like, why would it involve, why would stealing an election involve that and not, you know, why, why would it only involve stealing Georgia and Pennsylvania? And then also, why would it include not counting ballots in Nevada? If the whole well, plan Trump, was, Trump thinks that they stole Wisconsin and Nevada too. Well, that's the, that's the weird thing. If the whole conspiracy is the mail-in ballots are insecure and a fraud because you're just going to have these people just make up ballots and mail them in and there's no way to verify them, supposedly. No, that's true. They have um, to verify every single fucking ballot. Yeah, but if the conspiracy is that somehow they're insecure and can't be properly verified and... The, and you know they they send they mail them out to the homes of dead people and uh what and therefore mail there's a bunch of dead people voting by mail and ballot and since they can't physically walk into the poll booth and you can't see them that means you know they're getting away with having dead people vote in even larger numbers or, or you know like oh they're getting the mail to the homes of non-citizens and now you're having non-citizens vote uh by mail you know there's all these you know all that bs um None of it squares with the fact that Trump wants them to stop counting votes in places. <laughs> like, because that would be, like, or to count more votes, I mean, to uh, keep counting them. Because in Nevada, they want them to count them all, 
quote unquote. Keep counting them. Yeah, there was that clip of people in Philadelphia saying stop the count and people in Arizona saying count every vote like next to each other. And they're all waving they're all waving Trump flags. And they're all I mean, like, going along like sheep. That's the <laughs> Yeah, the fact that they all just have rolled with it without asking any questions. Um scary. I mean, it's a cult. It's a MAGA is a cult. It's it's literally a cult at this point. And there's some it, it there's varying degrees of how involved people are in this cult. But everyone that supports Trump is, is, in a sense, part of a very large and complex cult. Because, like, there is no one I know that supports... I mean, there's some people that vote for Trump that don't really like him. But there's most of his supporters are people that are... They own all the merch. They, you know... I, I bet there's a lot of people... Thankfully, I've never met one. But there's a lot of people that have him as their fucking phone background and stuff. You know, people that there's people that just adore him to no end, and there are fucking neo Confederates in Florida, like on our, our friend uh, Daniel's uh, Facebook page, that are talking about how Trump is bringing God God back to this country, and that we're all we're all going to see the consequences of godlessness. And um, there's a lot of people around this country that really scare me, to be honest. I mean, just the fact that they blame everything on, you know, what gay marriage like how does how does that make any yeah. sense to these people ever since we legalized gay marriage in 2015 it's all been downhill we overthrew god um honestly i could see christian fundamentalists forming a very coherent narrative out of um out of that out of like well the supreme court illegally because you know they think when the supreme court does things that they don't like that is the Supreme Court overstepping its boundaries. But when the Supreme Court, you know, even though the Supreme Court's boundaries, if we actually followed the Constitution and were actually, you know, like if Amy Coney Barrett was actually an originalist in like the literal sense, like she followed the original intent of the Constitution and the founders, then she wouldn't, then and she would, um, you know, have said in her confirmation hearings, quote, I don't believe the Supreme Court should do judicial review because that's not in the Constitution. The Supre- Federalists on the Supreme Court in the 1800s, the early 1800s. Yeah, uh, dur- before this was, uh, I think, during the, dur- from the transition, I think, from Adams to Jefferson. It was during the Jefferson administration, I think, when John Jay, the Federalist who was, or John Marshall, I can't remember, um, who was the Federalist who was in charge of the Supreme Court, the Chief Justice at the time, I think under either Jefferson or Madison, um, is the one who asserted the doctrine of judicial review. They made a decision where they overrode um, the, the political decisions of, a, I think, the president, um, and then asserted judicial review. Um, as their power, their ability to uh, um, override things. And that is, yeah, here, yeah, here it is. I'm right. It's, um, it was Marbury versus Mad- Madison was the decision that decided yeah. that introduced the doctrine of judicial review. Marbury versus Madison was the result of James Madison, Thomas Jefferson's secretary of state. Um, not, I, I think it was, he was being sued by judges who were basically appointed last minute during John Adams's uh, lame duck session. 
uh, we're the Federalists who controlled the Senate. Could be relevant again here soon. Yeah, we're the Federal, we're John Adams and the Federalists who controlled the Senate. Basically, began appointing as many Federalist judges as possible to all the courts they could. Um, at during the lame duck session, after they knew Thomas Jefferson and the Democratic Republicans are going to take power um, with a trifecta um, during the because you know it was the Revolution of eighteen hundred, and uh, Thomas John Adams basically guaranteed that the Democratic Republican agenda would be hamstrung by a federal by a st fully stacked Federalist judiciary, and that uh, judiciary. You know, I think it was at the time the Secretary of State's job, I think it was, was to be the one who handed out everybody's checks. And basically all these last minute appointments to the judiciary and the federal service by Adams that were federalists, um, Secretary of State Madison was refusing to pay them, basically, <laughs> was I think the problem. And they all sued James Madison and it got to the Supreme Court and the Federalist controlled Supreme Court said, well, actually we're going to claim the right to tell the government to tell the executive and the legislative branches to do what we tell them to do. Um, because we are going to claim the right to, to decipher what is constitutional and what is not, and basically approve and strike down legislation on those grounds. Um, I think we've gotten a little bit sidetracked over this past half hour. Um, well, I mean, it's okay. We're this whole episode is a sidetrack. So yeah. Um, but I think we should talk a little more about the election results now. Yeah. Um, because I don't think we're going to get to a courts. I'm, I'm not sure we'll get to the Supreme court yet. I don't think so. I think, I don't I think, think it will done. end in the Supreme court. I think it will end in the lower courts because none of these lawsuits seem to have any momentum at all. Yeah. And I think it's probably yeah. because the Republican party as an apparatus has decided that they are done with Donald Trump. Um, they have what they want, which is the Senate and the courts. They don't really care about anything else. It doesn't and matter. A lot of Biden. more seats in the House, where the Democrats will be a very different, like close very margin of, which means the squad and arguably has more leverage, right? Yes. This well, the squad has those and more members people are, too. So. Yeah, the left wing of the Democratic Party, the left end of the Democratic Caucus in the House, is now going to have a lot more influence because not only is the democratic are there are their ranks smaller and therefore it, it could go either way because i could see i i would assume pelosi who is who has already announced that she's going to run for another term as speaker um in the next congress which is hilarious because i remember a few years ago when she was saying i'm gonna i'm grooming my successor and they'll replace me by 2020 Terry bustos is resigning actually Huh? Sherry Bustos is resigning as DCCC. Well, good. She should. I thought she was one of the, you know, successors, perhaps. But I think it's Hakeem Jeffries who's yeah. sort of her anointed one. Because her, because Steny Hoyer is old and her and Nancy don't get along. And he's even, he's to her right. And he's, he's, he, he's, he's gross. Yeah, Steny Hoyer is gross. He's a borderline blue dog from maryland at this point um he's, he's borderline maryland man they're not they're not saying their best they're really not and he borders on being a blue dog like he's very conservative um and then obviously jim Clyburn looks like on the verge of death so and he's number three 
So well, I don't, he said he said this week. No, nobody's more progressive than Jim Clyburn. Nobody's more progressive than Jim Clyburn. Uh, no, nobody on this side of the Mississippi. Uh, you know, like okay, yeah, sure. I love how there's a bunch of Democrats nowadays who just love saying shit like that, as if nobody's going to call them on it. Like, like remember Joe Biden get, said in the speech, like literally like a week of him after his like opening salvo in his first week of running where he was just like i'm not a progressive fuck them kids like that was his like a week after doing that he like was giving a speech all these people complain that i'm too moderate i'm too uh conservative whatever i'm the most joe biden's the most progressive politician there is i'm the most progressive guy in the race I'm the most progressive man in the race. And really, that, that term means nothing anymore. And that was, really. yeah, that was, that was after, and he, he was saying that when he was like, when him and Bernie were like the last two people to hop in, like Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they were all in there. Everybody else was already in. And Joe Biden goes, I'm the most progressive man in the race. Come on, most man. Most progressive motherfucker up yeah. here. His, like, his early Blake, debate performances were so bad. Like, no one even talks about it. But, like, his, like, before, like, he actually did okay-ish against Bernie. And he did okay in a, one before that, too. But, like, the ones where there were, like, 10 people on stage, like, he did so bad. Well, I think... I think and no one was paying attention. That's the problem. With the situation we're in. Because um, I think the funny thing about the Democratic Party is that in the past, prim- in the last primary, all the ideological options were on the table. It was a full ideological buffet. Are you a are you a person who are you like um a, like very down to very niche stuff? Are you like the liberal immigration reform nerd? Julian Castro is your guy. <laughs> you're if you're a person, are you a McKenzie CIA plant? Are are you are you an immigration lawyer who has spent the past who who has spent this entire administration basically living through hell? because of Trump immigration policies. And you have some very, very, very specific niche ideas about immigration reform to the point where you, you kind of, everything else kind of blurs together outside of it. Julian Castro is your guy. Um, are you someone who really, really, really just wants to do the Obama thing over again? Like you, you just want another young handsome charismatic black man to be president again a guy who speaks who who, who you know who whose every speech is just a you know noxious platitudes about hope and unity and the power of people joining working together um then you had cory booker our collective purpose you you literally could like cory booker's whole thing was i'm a i am a black man who tries to talk as much like Obama as I can. I am literally the closest thing to Obama there is uh, <laughs> besides him. Vote for me. Uh, Kamala Harris, you know, do you want to be the pragmatic, do you want a pragmatic progressive? Do you want someone who pretended to be, are you really into pretending to be Native American for 30 years? And also are well, like a total nerd. Yeah, oh, that, that's the main that. thing. It's the, it's the plans nerd, you know. Yeah. Are you a person who simultaneously is obsessed with black woman magic? Um, like, are you, a, are you a white suburban wine mom who loves saying black woman magic and but simultaneously locks your doors the moment anyone a shade darker than you walks by? Vote for Kamala Harris. That's your gal. But guess what? Nobody gave a single flying 
fuck about anybody besides Bernie or Joe. They were the oh, everybody besides Elizabeth Warren. Everybody besides Pete. You know, the, if you're a CIA plant, you said vote for Pete. If you're a, if you're a psychopath who well, this um, new wave of veterans that are dominating the Democratic Party is really concerning to me. Are you a person who beats your kids? Vote for Amy Klobuchar. Um, <laughs> and Pete is definitely going to be in the cabinet. At all is going to be. He's my, a lock. He's a yeah, lock. Pete's a lock for the cabinet. The fact that lock. I suggesting him the fact like come on guys he's qualified for hud and hud alone he's a mayor that's the only thing he is political well, people say he's gonna go to va because he's a vet yeah there's also people who want to put him in va just because he's i a think vet. that's where he's gonna go almost maybe i could see the if they give beto a job they may give him va just to keep him busy because remember that no, when Beto, put him to like... when Beto was spinning out, that was his thing. That was his last ditch thing. It was the war tax. Remember, where, like you basically do UBI for vets, and you have non-vets pay for it. Like, like you have everybody who's you have and you have basically I like know about this. His no. plan was basically like Starship Troopers. Like you pay the veterans for their service afterwards through a special war tax. Um. And it was like it was like a two percent flat tax that everybody was going, all non-service members were going to have to pay or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Um, I would see, I could see them being like, "Beto, hey, hey, kid, chin up. You want something to do? You want to? You want something to do before you, you know, have a midlife crisis and revert back to your crust punk days? Keep keep your suit on." Well, I saw I saw Come Doug to Jones going to be AG. Who is Doug Jones? Yeah, I saw Doug Jones' age. That's just why, why, why. One time, like fifty years ago, he prosecuted the Klan. Yeah, do do what is is that a rule now? Like every attorney general has to be a senator from Alabama? Like, come on. <laughs> like that's just dumb. No, no, he's yeah. Yeah, like come on, Joe. You, Kamala could have been the. I I would say Joe. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Biden still made Amy Klobuchar the AG. Oh, he will. He will. He's qualified, and she's probably still on that list because now that the protests are over, I mean, like, well, I don't know if they're over completely. Well, now that the it's simmered the upri- down. Now that the George Floyd uprising, yeah, sure, sure. the proper, you know, the when we look back on it in history, we'll say well, what could up- have been the proper uprising. You know, the uprising proper. You know, like the the main event of the summer. Um, that is by and large over or petering out or at the very least once Joe Biden is in office it doesn't even matter anymore if anybody remembers or cares um also if Samantha Power gets Secretary of State or Susan Rice I'm going to shoot myself in the penis um and because I wouldn't be surprised but I mean like props for for being a survivor like that if she comes back for that um i mean like queen she she owned uh don she kind of owned donald rumsfeld until he had to leave the bush administration so there was so. a great tweet she made about like fucking unity or some bullshit and then someone quote tweeted that with a picture of abu grape <laughs> no it wasn't Everybody. just unity it was like we need to all come together and have compassion or something like she had a she has a lot of compassion for Middle Eastern people. Uh, uh, she, also, my favorite thing going back to uh, he loves the, the death. 
Justin Trudeau, despite all of his uh, flaws, my favorite fact about him is he did rename the Minister of Environment to the Minister of Environment and Climate Change. That's so dumb. That's so That's his dumb. crowning achievement of his uh, prime ministership on climate. He's so dumb. He I literally promised ranked choice a, voting when he was his, first elected. His deputy know? prime minister is running around bragging about how her grandfather was a Nazi. She, like, Christia Freeland, the deputy prime minister of Canada, cannot shut up about her Nazi grandfather. She refuses to stop talking about how Christia. It's not uh, Christina. Oh, Christina. Yeah. yeah, it's that. She's the deputy prime minister, yeah. She, she used, to be the, used to be the minister of... Wait, she's the minister of finance too? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, because this guy had a big scandal. Yeah, oh, my God. The He's liberal the cabinet is so gross. Jesus Christ. Justin Trudeau, get your people under... Get yourself under control, first off. Stop wearing... Oh, yeah, and on the call... Blackface one, you're supposed Trudeau to be... Trudeau called Biden today, and they discussed anti-black racism, energy, and trade, is what they said. Oh, oh, well, Justin Trudeau is an expert in anti-black racism. Yeah, there was someone that was like, wait, what are you guys racist. talking about? For Can you imagine Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden having a conversation about anti-black racism? Like, what the Joe fuck Biden does that like, even look like? Listen, I don't know what you, what, what is this, what is, what, what, anti-black, what, just, what are you talking about? Just call it racism, Jack. Just, what, what, what about good old-fashioned racism? What are you talking about? What's this new thing? Anti-black racism. And Justin Drew is going to be like, well, it's, it's when you paint your face the darkest shade of black possible, when you're hollow for your Halloween costume, when your Halloween costume is somebody who's not even black. Yeah. Uh, like that, <laughs> like yeah, Justin Trudeau knows a lot about, uh, hate, about hating black people. Um, Joe Biden, I honestly believe, doesn't hate black people. I think he's racist. I don't think he hates black. I don't think he's like an old school segregationist in his in his heart of hearts. I I just think he, I just think he's weird and racist. Um, but uh, I mean, one thing that's been real fun to see about this election, though, uh, besides the. So the, the two favorite, my two favorite things have been um, watching right wingers collapse on themselves mentally, as we talked about a little bit earlier, because um, it's been hilarious. I saw the lovely transition the other night from uh, Hannity to Laura Ingram. I've been watching Fox News to go to sleep because it's hilarious. Uh, it, it's been so funny the past few nights. Um, and one night I caught the transition from Hannity to the Ingram angle. And it was so awesome because this was before the race was called. It was a few nights ago. And Laura Ingram's whole rant, her whole opening monologue was just her flying into a massive, you know, like epic own the libtards uh, monologue about how Basically, it was a, basically we all deserve a participation trophy for fighting so hard. <laughs> that was basically what it boiled down to. Like we we fought so hard, and there are still votes coming in. We can still turn this around. He is the best president. Nothing can take that away. Not even if he loses. Like like basically like the it was a, it was the it was the uh, bad news bears speech. Like you know we we lost. We're losers, but we were good at it. By golly, we won by losing. Um, and there's still a chance. They stole it. 
still a chance unfair um so it was like her throwing a tantrum but it was preceded by sean hannity basically starting every sentence like this for an hour well him and tucker and laura are all gonna go to whatever network trump takes over or makes or whatever like he's... probably i would believe that i and think then fox news might be in a weird position where they're like well Fox News has to become the properly center-right station all of a sudden. Which is not going to be good for them, I don't think. No, because I don't think people... But what if what a bunch of liberals start watching Fox News because they're like, these are the, these are the good Republicans we've always told ourselves are, are out there. Roger, they it, fucking bring really on like Colin Powell and George W. Bush, and it's like, oh, back, back, throwback. Liberals are going to finally discover all the stuff that I knew about four years ago about like the internal politics of Fox News and the office politics stuff that goes on. Like liberals are going to finally catch on to the fact that like, oh, Roger Ailes died four years ago. And also like the Murdochs are the real power behind the scene. And also Rupert Murdoch has these two sons who are basically like centrist neolibs. Um, who will feel embarrassed by the fact that they own Fox News. Like, like who literally feel personal embarrassment and shame um, because every time they go to one of their cocktail parties with, like, the princess of Denmark and some slave-owning oil baron from Singapore, um, they, you know, th- they're asked, do you, guys re- do you guys really not believe in climate change? Like... You have to be dumb to not believe in that. I mean, we believe in, we just don't give a fuck. But like, yeah, and that's what the, and the Murdochs and the Murdoch boys have to say. We're just like you. We pretend it doesn't exist, even though we acknowledge it when we're asked. Um. So yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a really. So Biden's campaign manager has gone around the last few days saying that we are going to stick to our progressive platform or whatever. We'll see we're about see that. What that even but, means. It's going to be, I think it's actually, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, having a very duality of man moment where I'm experiencing extreme optimism and pessimism at the same time about this, because I, I obviously my optimism would be through the roof if, uh, if Bernie was the president elect, of course, um, combined with the, uh, with the sinking anxiety that maybe he'll be shot by the CAA before he takes office. But, um, but all jokes aside, yeah. Well, we're, I will I do think... say that um, scan the show Scandal, um, its final season, basically was the 2016 primary, just way crazier, and um, written before the primary actually happened, and the way it ended was with the Bernie Sanders candidate um, actually clinching the Democratic nomination and then the election, the general election and being shot while he was giving his victory speech by the CIA. I gotta watch that show. That sounds good. Um, Scandal is not the best show, but that episode was very, that arc that ended in, um, this like Latino Bernie version of Bernie Sanders, uh, that was that character, um, getting assassinated by the CIA in the end it was for dumb reasons because it wasn't like the actual cia did it and they didn't go as far as like well we can't have this guy just you know dismantle the military and industrial complex like that wasn't why it was like some weird convoluted conspiracy that involved his wife that ended up causing it um but 
I will say, I would not have put it past them. Uh, I would not have believed that they would have. I would. Well, I, was talking, I was talking about this with my mom actually yesterday. Like, do you think if Bernie was the Democratic candidate and it was the exact same results, do you think Fox News would be calling the race for him? Do no, you think that even AP would, would CNN be calling the race for him? We don't. I, I first off, I don't even think that. I think it's entirely possible Bernie would have lost because I think the Democrats might, we might've actually ended up seeing um, people. We might've seen a bunch of people actually, a bunch of people who came out for Biden. This is, and this is where, I, this is where I want to take this now towards the end here, um, yeah. which is towards the, what the, what we learned about the electorate, like the results results um, and where things are headed. Um which is that I think a lot of the people came out to vote for Biden because as we've seen, his big bump in support first off in the primary was from increased turnout amongst old, older and whiter people. Basically like the older, wealthier and whiter you were, your, the turnout rate amongst those demographics in the Democratic primary when they f- could vote for Joe Biden shot up. They actually skyrocketed. Like there was a youth bump that helped Bernie and it was outdone by a bump amongst old people. And there was a, you know, and Joe Biden created such a generated such an uptick in support from white people in South Carolina that the South Carolina Democratic primary was for the first time in quite a while, majority white. The majority of people voting were majority white and that increase of white voters mostly went to Joe Biden. And as we saw in this past election, Joe Biden overperformed with white people, particularly white men. You know, the people that we've been told for the past four years are, you know, the big problem is the world is run by white men. And there's all these angry white men out there that love Donald Trump. It's all, he's the angry white man. Well, he still want to convince the majority he, of them. He, which he is, but the, but the thing is, all the demographic, all the demographic narratives that we've been told over the past four years got contradicted by these election results, where Donald Trump um, has continued the trend that he started in 2016 of increasing the percentage of his voters that were not white. Um, in 2016, he improved a, a lot on Romney's margins. There was a greater percentage. Uh, he had a higher percentage of non-white voters, um, you know, a higher percentage of his vote was non-white. Um, I'll, I'll phrase it like that because when it comes to the actual margins, it doesn't matter that it doesn't look like it matters as much because you're you're still looking at like a a ninety-five to five difference when it comes to the black vote in general. Um, well, he got twelve percent this time. Who uh, Donald Trump? with the black yes yeah you you know what i mean though i i was just yeah i was just pulling a couple of numbers out of my butt um but they uh but donald trump has continued that trend and joe biden actually overperformed with white people and with white men and that was and i think that's interesting and i think the fact that he made gains and not you know laughable gains significant noticeable remarkable gains with latinos especially um, yes, Trump, especially with Latinos. And what I was saying was Biden made remarkable gains with white people um, as compared to Hillary, with white men, as compared to Hillary's loss, uh, a decrease in support amongst white men. Um, 
I think the fact that the Biden coalition is whiter, more suburban, more affluent, and older than the Democrat than a coalition that any Democratic candidate has produced in the past twenty years, probably, is um, a not a good thing, and also possibly a sign that Bernie would have lost because those people wouldn't have come out for him. I don't think they would. I think those are people that got mobilized by Biden. Who, who got mobilized by their yep. hatred of Donald Trump that they've developed over the past four years? Because that's the demographic of people who watch TV the most, and they don't. And this is the demographic of people who not only watch TV the most, but watch not Fox News TV the most. So they live not in conservative La La Land where Trump is a savior. They live in CNN La La Land where the most pressing matter in the world is um, Donald Trump. I don't know, saying a curse word or um, lie or telling a new or his biggest lie of the week or whatever, where they're the people who've been watching CNN, where nonstop the coverage over the past four years has been, you know, the, your image of Trump is a scandal ridden, incompetent, you know, blustering, dangerously uh, erratic buffoon and, and in, with authoritarian tendencies. Um, and the thing you're worried about are norms, institutions, the schoolhouse Iraq version of America that I think that them, that Joe Biden represents. And that version, that vision of America is what drew out a certain number of people to vote for Joe Biden that I don't think would have voted for Bernie Sanders. Do I think Bernie could have compensated for that? Maybe, but also maybe not, because I think there would have been an active campaign against him from within. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm, I would not have put it past certain, like I wouldn't have put it past Steve Bullock returning to Montana and then forming like Dem Montana Democrats for Trump thing. But like, would that have mattered? It's Montana. I was just pulling an exa another example out of my ass. Well, but, I know, but like, I, um, I mean, I, like, that I, I would, I would tend to be I, a little I bit more. Not, I would not have put money on, Bur I would have said, Bernie would have lost Arizona, Georgia. He might have lost. If if, if it was Bernie, we would be talking about because um, Texas is also clearly not at that point yet. It's not at a tipping point. But yet. I think Bernie would have done better with Latinos for sure. He could. Have, he might have, and it may have done. It may have won him Arizona. I don't know. I think he would have done better in Texas. Probably, but I don't think closer. He would have. I don't think that w closer doesn't matter is the problem in the end when it comes to the electoral college closer doesn't matter. Um, and I think a I state know. like Virginia or states like Virginia, Delaware, Maryland would have become battlegrounds. Unnecessary. I wouldn't go that power. far. I feel like Maryland and also Delaware doesn't really matter because it's only three votes, but. But I mean like those regions, those areas where if you depress the turnout, like I think there's a problem but, where but, but, but the fact both, is that so, both ends of the Democratic Party, you may end up, ha you may have ended up de depressing turnout of one side, no matter who you pick. Like yeah, Joe well, Biden may have depressed left wing turnout, but at Bernie may have actually depressed centrist turnout. They may, have, you may have ended up with a bunch of white suburbanites just sitting at home and saying, Bernie versus Trump is not my fight. And 
you know, the vote shaming people probably would have done that. <laughs> uh, and but I do think I do think there's a there's a point to be made that as much as we'd like to shit on centrist liberals, especially the ones with blue check marks on Twitter, which definitely deserve it. There are a lot of centrist liberals who voted for Joe Biden who would have voted for Bernie Sanders still. True. I mean, I, I think, think the vast majority of them. I don't think that's why I don't I don't think any of those blue states would be in play. Maybe Virginia, um, because it's kind of like a new blue state, but like I just don't I, I just don't think that there, there would have been a lot of very high profile, very loud um people that are on you know on Twitter and on on, on TV, definitely on, on CNN, even on MSNBC a lot, that would have been saying, I'm a Democrat, I'm gonna vote third party, I'm gonna write in John McCain or some fucking bullshit like that. But I do think that Bernie would have um, won several states more convincingly. He definitely would have lost ground. In, I think he would have like lost, but like ten. Yeah, points honestly, actually, now in that Florida, you're saying he would have got destroyed. More right. I think now that you're saying this, you might be more. Maybe I'm just being pessimistic. Maybe I'm just what? being too optimistic. I mean, I mean, I yeah. think you make a good point, but like, I don't know what the what the level of that of those people is. And my theory is that like the margins are actually pretty small, and it is about turnout. But I, I think the type of voters you're saying would have been depressed turnout. They are such high propensity voters and they hate Donald Trump so much that sitting at home that day would have been like having an itch. That yeah, they, and they would not they would not have like you've got to think about like the people that are over 200K, you know, income maybe. But even the people between 100K, 200K, the ones that are Democrats, they would have said, you know what, maybe Bernie's too far left for me. But a lot of Democrats, even who don't agree with him on everything, and are very high propensity voters, they still like him generally, at least before the contentious primary. But then again, if we're talking about Bernie being a nominee, it probably would have been a scenario where Super Tuesday is a big win for him. And then he kind of goes on a train where he ends up winning damn near every state, actually, except for like some of the South, right? So like, you know, we, we have to we have to keep that in mind that the scenario with this election would have been different with Bernie Sanders. And we don't know what it would have looked yeah. like if he had blasted out healthcare messaging with the coronavirus, mm-hmm. seeing people having tens yeah. of thousands, hundreds of thousands of loved ones in their neighborhoods perishing could have had that effect on the country. And when you look at exit polls, you have to notice that. Yes. When you look at the ballot issues. initiatives, when you look yeah. at, um, when you look at the, which also when you look at the ballot initiatives, something very interesting emerges where you had red you had a red state like a typically red state that's now trending purple or blue whatever you want to say arizona actually vote to raise income state income taxes um to put that money into public education and you had had south dakota vote to legalize marijuana in addition to New Jersey, Dems should run legalizing weed. Dems should um, do that 100. percent They, they should make that a big part of it. By ballot, South Dakota and Arizona and New Jersey legalized marijuana. Um, Arizona voted to raise taxes on themselves to pay for public schools, which is not a Republican thing, not a red state thing that you would expect. Um, Florida voted to raise the minimum wage. In uh, with and each of those things, one with bigger and majority, there was some state and the presidential voted. candidates that won those states. Um, or I'm not sure about South Dakota, but I know about Arizona and um, Florida um, raising taxes to pay for schools and raising the minimum wage and legalizing weed. One in New Jersey, um, I think weed and Joe Biden were 
basically broke even with each other around two thirds of the vote, maybe a little more voted for legalizing pot than Joe Biden. Um, and it, it's it's something high in the 60s, I think. Um, oh, Joe Biden only got 58% in New Jersey. Oh, interesting. Wait, scroll back up. Oh, as they've counted the votes, my county has gone from blue to red again. Cool. Um, they uh, very, very weird. What are we doing, man? I don't, yeah, what are we doing, man? Yeah, my county's I, blue. I thought we flipped it this time. What the fuck, dude? Um, but... Um, we, uh, but you know, weed legalization, minimum wage increases, tax increases for social services. These won with big majorities in states that are red, red states that went for Trump, states that have Republican governors and Republican state legislatures, states that voted for Trump in all three, you know. All three states I just mentioned, Florida, South Dakota, and Arizona, voted for Trump in 2016, voted for Republicans in each ele- election, most, well, not in each election before that, but also have Republican trifectas in their state governments right now, um, which mean that these ballot initiatives are going to get... For that guy in the current affairs, Avery, who said Louisiana was going to go blue. Yeah, that was insane. Um, I don't get why people thought, think like the South other than Georgia, is going to flip anytime soon. Um, remember when everybody thought Jamie Harrison had a chance against, or Jamie Harris, what's his name? Uh, Harrison. Harrison, yeah. Harris? Um, Harrison, you got it right the first time. In uh, South Carolina. I don't know why people thought he was going to beat Mitch, beat Lindsey Graham. Are you kidding me? Like, it's South Carolina. It's, it's the polls, man. They have a few good Lindsey polls. Graham, people it's just... South Carolina. Um, I, I, I guess it's... Graph. The graph was even more of a long shot, though. I mean, the graph. Well, like, what? Did, did anybody really think they were just going to let the Republicans are just going to let their party's de facto leader get removed? There were so many people on Twitter talking about Amy McGrath. Like, like wh- who thought that was going to happen? Like, guys, they would. Mitch, if it really came down to it, do you really think Mitch McConnell would not pay somebody to kill her in the end? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Charles Booker would be his dead right family, now if he won the primary. His wife's Charles family traffics was... coke. His wife's Charles family Booker's traffics lucky. coke. They're an organized crime syndicate. He does have hitmen on speed dial. You really think if Rod, McGrath, wait, wait, we, we should we should be saying this. He's gonna kill us. Amy McGrath didn't pose a big enough threat to him to for him to call in any sort of favors with his donors. He didn't feel he didn't even feel that threatened. Didn't even campaign. He didn't even feel threatened enough to campaign. You really think she was going to beat him ever? Not in a million years. This woman, the only race she's ever run before that, she lost. She's just going to fail upwards. I want to be the presidential surprised. nominee in 2024. Yeah, she's going to run for president in like 2024 or something. Amy McGrath. I, I took on. He is Mitch the worst McConnell. Democrat. She is. She's Joe Manchin level. I mean, basically. Well, yeah, which is why partly why it was hilarious that they sunk so much money into her. He's like. Chuck Schumer, come on. You're, she's your chosen candidate? The, a blue dog who's going to give you headaches? You want another one? What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, come on, dude. Shows yeah, you where he lost by 20 fucking that. points. I mean... Yeah. I mean... This is just... Not... 
I mean, the results on the one hand, yeah, cool. Trump's out. That's fun. I love seeing the reactions to Trump being out. But on the other hand, yeah, Boo Boo Ben is going off right now. Apparently, it, it does not portend well for the future. Yeah, that a um, we have no one of similar popularity besides Barack Obama himself to run in 2024, just from the perspective of Democrats, of, of somebody to run against the Republicans. Um, you don't have like a real strong candidate or any sort of field even of candidates for 2024 who would be strong. I'll give you a bunch of no names next time. It's going to be a ridiculous clusterfuck. It's going to be a mess. It's or be Kamala mess. will just take over. Like Maybe. I could see them trying to do that, but I mean, like last time they tried to do a coronation with Hillary, it didn't end well. It might be a little bit different. She's the vice president. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. But like, yeah, it might be a little bit different. And I'm sure, like Joe Biden, when he leaves, he, I'm sure. I think he may die in the next four years. I mean, I, I don't want to like say like it's a certainty, but like it is a pretty good chance. Like he's he past the average like, life expectancy. He's, he's very some... yeah. He's like on the edge of the average life expectancy. He's like seventy eight, and the average life expectancy is like seventy eight point nine or seventy nine for a man. Yeah. Um, he's it's, it's and he's obviously. He doesn't look good. <laughs> he doesn't look or sound very good. He may not last the next four years. Um, so who knows what happens if so Kamala President could be the incumbent, you know? Yeah, who which knows? Which then might her... give an advantage, but yeah. maybe not it's a like, guarantee. Yeah, it gives her a primary advantage at least. But I, I think it might actually be a problem in the general election in 2024 because I just I don't see things getting good enough that in over the next four years, I don't see Joe Biden doing enough and things getting better enough within the next four years for um, the Democrats to have an easy primary where they slide the establishment pick in and they coast to victory. Like, that's just not going to happen. There's going to be a primary challenge. Somehow people are going to gravitate towards and rally around a single left opposition candidate like we did with Bernie in 2016. When did they win this time? Who knows? And maybe whoever it is will win this time. You also maybe want to consider that every four years, the electorate gets four years younger, which is a good thing for us. True. And also every four years, it gets bigger. There's more people. Um, and I, I just don't know. Um, I also think the fact that Trump has made, made inroads with uh, people of color is a terrifying prospect. It also shows that I think... Um, liberals and the mainstream liberal media have zero idea what they're talking about um because yeah, we should just we should just totally you, destroy all yeah. the networks at this point honestly if you've been listening to like actual news networks for like the past four years up until now um if you've been listening to mainstream democrats you'd be shocked you your whole worldview must be suffering from like a foundational rocking I mean, thought Biden was going to win Florida guaranteed because he beat Bernie in Florida or whatever. Yeah, like the fact that this was not a landslide victory for Joe Biden, who leading a multiracial coalition against Donald Trump. Like, actually, it turns out that Donald Trump has continued to increase the number of non-white people voting for him. Um, I do think we should point out, though, that like a lot of he increased the number of people voting for him overall. A lot of, he, by, by almost, like by 7 million people. 
by a lot, by a lot. And you kind of think, though, like if the Democrats had been right in that Joe Biden was going to or not just Joe Biden, but with all the different works of the party, work that the party has been doing and with the hatred for Trump, that turnout was going to increase. Like they got a lot more turnout, like Joe Biden got a lot more turnout than anyone else, like even especially compared to Hillary, obviously not as much as as yeah. a percentage, I think, as Obama. But um, this has been the highest turnout election since 1900. And, Which is actually, in a way, more scary for the left, right? Because people are still engaged; they're just engaged in the wrong way. Well, because that's harder. Well, well, because the whole left's argument for the past four years or whatever, the whole argument for Bernie was: this is a guy who can increase turnout. He's going to win the election not by winning people who, not by operating within the small number of people who already vote, but he's going to win over non-voters um, who are young people and who are members of the working class and minority communities who have not typically voted. And that was the whole point of the Sanders campaign. That was the model. That was the argument for his electability that he was going I to- I do think he would be able to do it better in the general than in the primary though. Yeah, and I think obviously he would be, yeah, the general honestly may have been easier for Bernie than the primary um, because yes, while Bernie would have had to fight the war on two fronts in the general against Donald Trump and the Demo- and whoever within the Democratic Party. Probably Bloomberg. Bloomberg would have won run third party. Yeah. And, and who knows? Maybe it would have been a war on three fronts, like for Bernie. Like he would have been fighting the Democratic establishment that wants to do as little as possible for him to help him win. Um, they want to undermine him at every turn. Um, even if some of them even consciously like want him to win, they want him to lose to prove themselves right. Um, even though they might even vote for him themselves. Um, and then you get the people who hate him enough to like, like Howard Schultz for, or something. Yeah, to vote for Howard Schultz or Michael Bloomberg to go third party. And then also, of course, he's running against the Republicans, against Donald Trump, um, and being, you know, with their red scare stuff. And um, so it, that would have been hard, but it would have been a lot more obvious and clear cut. And I think, like you said, like the Democrat, the internal machinations against him would just fly over the average voter's head because for them, it would be all hands on deck against Donald Trump. But here's the thing. We just saw the high, like you said, the highest turnout election since two thousand since 1900 in 220 years, not 200, in 120 years. Is um, your brain melting like Joe? No. It is. It, come on, man. Cut me some slack, Jack. And uh, he, you know, he, uh, he did not generate that much extra turnout and it did not bring him, Bernie that is, to victory in the primary. And Joe Biden, meanwhile, has won the general election with higher turnout, since, you know, with the highest turnout in 120 years. It throws a wrench in the argument for Bernie if, and, and for a candidate like that. I don't, I don't and, know how also, much it does because I think... First well, of I, all, think it, I think it shows that, it, that people on the left have underestimated um, that actually hatred for Trump could have was enough this one time. Yeah, that part. True, should, but I, I, I think a lot of the people on it again. Like liberals should liberals. We should tell them don't and Democrats to not settle into complacency and think that that can happen again. That four years from now, fear of the Republican is going to keep them in power somehow. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't settle into that. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is um, 
they now have a arrow in their quiver to, to, to a new one to shoot at us, which is, but we, tr- but we proved your, ex- we did the experiment. We ran it and you were wrong. Like that's what the senator is saying, which is we ran the experiment. We ran the wor- the most alienating possible candidate for you guys. We ran Joe Biden and he still got enough of you to vote for him that he won. And he picked up a bunch of um, white suburb of non-voters from demographics that you don't tend to think of as non-voters because we do have relatively low turnout pretty low turnout rates in this country that mean um you can find plenty of non-voters in middle and upper middle class communities um but but i I think think a lot of the voters found them a lot of the voters that biden won with were voters that would have probably turned out even in areas that maybe would have even turned out more for Bernie because Bernie put a lot of effort into electing Biden too, which should not be underplayed. Yes, and, obviously. And, and Rashida left Tlaib organizations, and, like even like the Sunrise Movement and- And Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Yeah, and, 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 and the, them. And also even like the Stacey Abrams in Georgia, in Georgia. Besides Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is not a leftist, obviously, but like her organization is something that would have, I would argue, even been better served with a leftist candidate at the top of the ticket. Like yeah, and there were a bunch of other activists too who did a bunch of on the ground work who, in the primary, were Bernie aligned. Um, yeah. Who did work, a bunch of work in Georgia that helped make this happen. Um, and also, and I do think in that Nevada, like, Nevada would not have been close if Bernie oh, yeah. was the candidate. Nevada would have obviously. been called like when the polls closed. Yeah, you know, and and who knows? Um, and and also, I was I telling was, everyone, I said that at the podcast last week, Nevada's going to be closer than you think. And what happened? Well, what happened? Um, one thing, too, that uh, I think is interesting is also that uh, Trump um, drawing is, is the fact that uh, Democrats can no longer, and no, that nobody can uh, simply rely on the idea that Donald Trump, perhaps the most obviously racist right wing president we've had in a while. Um, like that's one genuine difference between him and other Republicans. He's pretty obvious and pretty upfront with his attitude, which is racist, a fundamentally racist attitude, where he he treats himself with an air of superiority over everyone else around him, and he treats and he talks about America and white and Western countries in with an air of superiority over other countries. Uh, you know, like you can hear it in the way he talks about. Chinese businessmen he's equal to like that he's gone into deals with he the way he talks about the Chinese businessmen sounds like he's making fun of them uh for just for being Chinese and he's a very obviously racist very basically racist a lot of Asian people vote for him and a lot of and a lot of yeah and I mean the the you know the everything he's ever said about Hispanics about shithole countries about Latin America about Latinos, about people who's uh, about people of of you know of <laughs> Latin American Central origin. Park five. Yeah, and everything he's ever said about Black people and Black Lives Matter and protest Black protesters and whatnot. Um, I think it shows that um, people really are not in touch with the inner political workings of minority communities. That these people are that there's that there's a growing number of people in these communities who are willing to vote for a racist because. 
A, I think we underestimate just how much the right has rehabilitated white Latinos as properly white Americans. Um, like just how far that has gone. But Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Um, Marco Rubio, I think, is even the better example because you'll, if you looked at a picture of Ted Cruz, you'd think, you know, I, I would think Wisconsin. Like he's a man made out of melting cheese is what he looks like. Meanwhile, Marco Rubio is not, if you look at him, he does not look like properly white. Like he does not look like a person who would fit into that racial category just a few years, just a couple of decades ago. But Republicans, Republican voters probably don't think of him as brown. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of that going on within especially because of the fact that we in this country, our ability, our talking, ability to talk about race has been totally hamstrung by the white-black binary, by the idea that we have these two races that are defined by the color of their skin. And then there's a whole bunch of people to the south of us who speak a totally different language, who are many different shades of yeah. a variety of colors. They can't fit well within that. Um, and all, so there's a bunch of them who are pale enough to to be called white, but they haven't been for a long time because they're, and even they would identify themselves as white in their home countries. But when they come here, they get branded Hispanic or non-white Hispanic or white Hispanic or Latino or some other, one of the other 1 million labels that we are all using to refer to the one thing, Latin America. And, um, you know, it's why people, you know, say brown because they just want to use shorthand for not white or black and to refer to a specific area, to people from a specific area of the world. Um, and I think we've underestimated that the right, in order to manufacture its, to, to regrow its base, realizing how limited they are, they've had to do what, hit, what has happened throughout history a number of times, redefine whiteness. They had to redefine whiteness to include um, Irishmen. They had to redefine whiteness to include um, people from Southern Spanish. Europe, May Portuguese, Spaniards, Italians, Greeks, etc., Russians, Slavs, Jews. They all had to be included in whiteness at one point when they had previously not. And it's very easy to, it's going to be a, a very easy to get people already identify as white, as in white Hispanics to identify, to, to be recategorized as white and to reorganize their political uh, consciousness around a white identity. Yeah. Uh, so first, uh, I'd like to add a few things. First of all, um, uh, the toxic masculinity of Trump appeals just as much to Hispanic and even to a lesser extent, but still a lot to black men as it does to white men, especially in those key demographics. Second of all, the Hispanic and also the black community, especially in the South, and not just the South, but I mean like the Southern half of the country, even going all the way out to mm -hmm. California. The Sun Belt, has been, that's the new division, I think, the, the yeah. Sun Belt, Rust Belt basically divide. Has been, but though that whole community has been totally um, infiltrated with QAnon and stuff like that in a very, in, mm -hmm. and, it's, and, and while it's not, that it's not obviously proportionally it's not like that huge of a deal yet but it's growing and the trend yeah. is not stopping and there's look no at way to stop of, it look, look at the pete look at the footage that reporters have taken of the save the children rallies that are organized by QAnon people 
you will find a bunch of young black and Hispanic people there, not just crazy old white people. You will find young people and you will find people of color. You will find young people of color with dyed hair and crazy, you know, clothes. I think of that one girl on Jubilee. Who you, who, if you looked at them in, if you just looked at a picture of them and and you were told they're at a rally and you didn't see that they were holding a poster that said like Q and had a picture on it and has a picture of like, I don't know, Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein having sex or something. Um, If you didn't see that they were holding that poster, you just see that, you know, they're a young black person with multicolored, you know, dyed hair or whatever. And they're young and they're, they look like they go to, they, they look like a conservative's worst nightmare basically. And then in their whole poster, you'd think, yeah, you'd think to themselves, oh, crap, they're, uh, they're in, you know, th- this is a George Floyd protest, or this is a protest on a college campus somewhere, you know, some uber liberal campus. Surprise, you, you unblur the sign, you talk to them, they start talking about how Democrats are pedophiles, and they're communing with Satan, and how Donald Trump, how JFK Jr. is alive, and how... Um, he was the one recruited by U.S. Army intelligence to tap Donald Trump to run for president one day to defeat the globalist demon cabal and, um, you know, liberate America and restore our Christian values. Like, it's QAnon has deliberately and to some success, to frightening amount of success, it, it, you know, targeted non-white communities. Um, which, you know, I, I've heard C. Derek Vaughan talk about this before where, you know, and this is a stereotype, but also there's polling data that bears us out where, um, black people, I, I think there's a stereotype that's, it's attached to the, I, the stereotype that black people are superstitious, that black people are nowadays not so superstitious and more conspiratorial. Um, but there's polling information to show that African-Americans are more likely to believe to distrust the government and With very good reason yeah and they and as c derek varn i've heard many times tell the story about how like he grew up in georgia and he knew black people who believed all sorts of conspiracy theories a lot of them were actually true stuff about things the government and other people with power yeah. did to black people. And the Tuskegee experiments. Yes, because lots of them were, because, you know, if, you, if you're a black person in the South and the Tuskegee experiments literally are well within living memory to you, it's not a far leap to believe something else that is, you know, like QAnon, something that has, uh, you know, an inkling of truth to it. Candace which Owens is, has had a, gained a huge following online. And yes, who in Candace Owens, who I, I'm not sure how far she's gone to QAnon, but um, there is, we do also have to accept the fact, I think, that, uh, you know, there is a growing, um, as time has gone on, you do get more and more people of color who are rich and yeah. they will think to themselves plain, just plain and simple, I am rich, I'm going to vote Republican. And there's a lot of social conservatives, conservatism among people of color in this country, among yeah. all kinds of people of color. That's Asian, Black, Latino. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of also, yeah, especially and in finally, this country. I, well, I wanted to make we, kind of a yeah, go less ahead. obvious point about this about this issue, and you can add anything you want, of course, too. But like, we have to we have to understand that like for people, especially that aren't 
plugged into politics all the time. And like, I don't think, I don't think that there's many people of color and I could be wrong. So I'll, I'll admit that, that are like hardcore MAGA wearing Trump supporters. There are definitely a few of them that are very well platformed like Candace Owens. Yes. But I think for people that don't pay attention to politics all the time, that aren't super plugged in, that don't see all the nuance, that aren't maybe even well, well educated, which is not a knock on them, but just the reality of America's system. They don't recognize that their part, even some, some of them, and I think, I think most of them would to some extent, but then there's obviously other people that kind of deny that or people that want to play that off or want to talk about personal responsibility or something like that. But like, you know, you're seeing Donald Trump and you're seeing a lot of the Republicans now. And this could, with people like Madison Crawthorn and people like John Doyle and all kinds of people that are in the young new right and Nick Fuentes, this could take a very ugly turn for the worse. But the current Republican Party is not a party of white, like, it's not a party. It's not, it's it's not, not a party. white working class party. No, no, no. I, I'm talking about, I'm going a different direction. Oh, sorry. Not, it's mind. not a party of extermination of non-whites. It's not a party of we don't want any brown people here. It's a party of we want people to understand that we're going to be the majority. We're going to stay the majority. People that want to act like us and talk like us and fit in with us and vote like us will be welcomed. They're not going to turn away people that are going to vote for them. They're not going to say that we have to, you know, we're not, they're, they're happy to invest money mm-hmm. in black communities, not as much as they would in, you know, suburbs or whatever, white suburbs. Yeah. But I like, think there's a tradition they, of this too. I think you're talking yeah. about something very historically relevant. Keep going though, because you're on no, the No, no, I mean, I'm just saying like, there are so many people that they don't, they're not plugged in and they're not super woke or whatever. Like they don't, they don't see Trump even as a racist. I don't think there's, I, like you were saying, there's people yeah, that say, like, I'm like willing to vote that for racist. Out. Like that poll that came out that people were talking about where it said like the term Latinx is it's like 6% of Latinos have ever even heard the term and only 3% use it. And a lot of and, people said it was and of that 3%, whatever, not know. even all, and of that 3%, not even all of them actively like it and try to get people to use it. They just have used it. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I think that's, a real dynamic here where liberals liberalism and the democratic party and the politics of the democratic party have become so insulated from even the tiny even the small you know handfuls of their base that are of their original base that are left they become so detached yeah like like black communities like cities the people who actually live in cities people who won this election for joe biden yeah i I mean the people who Let's won this for Joe Biden, it, this is all in the everything, all the media stuff that got talked about in the primary was BS that had nothing to do with this, that ended up having no relevance to the general election. Because, oh, what do you do? You know, is, is Bernie too, can, is Bernie's candidacy too white? Is Joe, Joe Biden has the support of the black vote? Bernie has the Latino vote. Bernie, blah, blah, blah. You know, like all this weird demography is destiny bullshit that liberals have internalized from, you know, Nazis. Um, is, is irrelevant because most of what they're having is a goofy academic conversation that is totally detached from the, rea- from the real lives of actually existing 
people of color and working class people and poor people and women and LGBT plus people. Like it, it just, it, it, it's irrelevant. They, it doesn't matter to most of those people. I don't think the average black voter was going to be, was going to be swayed either way by I can't even come up with a, with a silly like example. Some article right like The Root or something. You know? Yeah, I can't come up with like an example even right now <laughs> because I'm just... The Chronic Easy Coast article about how Bernie's a class reductionist or something. I mean, yeah, I, the black people, black voters don't think like that. Black voters did not sit... Like in, younger black, black voters black supported voters Bernie in, overwhelmingly. Yeah, so. the black... The black voters in South Carolina who voted for Joe Biden, and as we saw in that primary, um, from the, all the data, there was an age divide. There was an age and class gap in that black vote in South Carolina that reflected the same age and class gap across the rest of the country, um, where young black people and more working class black people supported Bernie Sanders in South Carolina. Um, you know, tendency wise, and or they tended to and. When it, when it comes to young people, I think like it was more straightforward. Um, but because uh, data when it comes to class is not very well kept on any of these things. Gee, I wonder why. Uh, and I wonder why any class analysis ends up getting muddled and confused because we literally don't know. Um, but uh, he, you know, in that, pro- it, what, it, the race wasn't decided by the bizarre Bernie bro discourse on MSNBC. If you look at pure research. It wasn't research, decided by Chris Matthews saying they're going to hang me in Central Park, that's for sure. No, and then, yeah, nobody then saw mixing Chris up two Matthews. black people in South Carolina. Yeah, nobody saw Chris <laughs> Matthews cry like a baby. Did, yeah, did anyone this call out Chris Matthews for mixing up Tim Scott and Jamie Harrison as much as they call out Bernie for like, I don't know. And even yeah. then. Who cares? I don't think anybody would have cared if people were call, called out Chris Matthews to the proper degree about that. I don't think that would have swayed black voters either way. I don't think they cared. Oh, I'm just saying, because even pe- like the because real of people's it is a minds are not made up by the bullshit that everybody spent the last four years obsessing over. Clearly, and that's the thing. That's the one thing the results show, which is nobody learned anything. Over the past four years, clearly Trump forgot things that Trump and the Republicans forgot things that they learned, which was a Donald Trump won because he didn't come off as a boring, normal Republican. He lost this time after governing for four years in the same way as a normal, boring Republican would just throwing a whole lot of nonstop uh like media frenzy on top of it um which like that seemed to be his strategy he the difference between him and other republicans literally is just a matter of personality and as we've seen he didn't actually lose support either because i thought that was one thing that might happen which was that trump would lose because he forgot how he won in 2016 and he wouldn't run the same you know the trade deals are terrible. Uh, wars, be- the the free the trade deals are terrible, and we're getting into wars and blah 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 blah. And him sort of implicitly or explicitly tying it all together into this weird narrative about globalism, quote unquote. Um, this time he just ran on like just him being cool and his supporters liking him. Why? That was literally his whole yes. platform. 
his platform was like, what, you like me? You guys like me, right? Just vote for me again. If you like me, vote for me again. I do a great job. Great job, folks. Great job. And they were just kind of like, oh, cool. Let's vote for him again. And more Republicans voted for him. They liked him even more because the entire election basically came down to does Trump repulse you or do you like what he does? Does he repulse? And it turns out enough people were repulsed by him to actually vote him out. And, but the scary thing is he didn't repulse a lot of other people. I think that this election is not a vindication of moderate or leftist politics. Yeah, exactly. That's the vindication vindication of of nobody. No one. No one did terrible and no one did great, you know? Like, yeah. It was literally almost a tie, considering like like you can see whatever you want during these results, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a never Trumper, whether you're a far right fascist, whether you're a you know leftist, whether you're a Warren progressive, whether you're a Pete Buttigieg stan. <laughs> He's not going away. And we have to He's we we, we have to not. do a deep dive on him some one of these days. We need to make a video version of Nathan Robinson's uh, article that he made that was just all about Pete. You know yeah. what? I think I think Nathan should do that. I think Nathan, Nathan should stick to deconstructing mainstream liberals. He should not wade into these Twitter beefs with Marxists and anarchists and all this stuff. It's, yeah, he. Yeah, that's true. That's um, where he just loses people, and he just goes way off the deep end. It's well, yeah. It's where he enters bizarre, like cuckoo banana territory, where you're like, oh. A guy who dresses like that would say this. And he's um, like, why do you name the movement after like Marx? Like, are you endorsing everything Marx said? Or like, like I don't know, that whole like that weird fixation on the name too. That was kind of the weird yeah, the weird fixation like, on like Marxism being named after a guy. He's like, but anarchism isn't named after a guy. It's, what about Well John it Hale? was well well it was they it was called like Proudhonism, Proudhonism in, in France. Um, like you were just like you weren't called an anarchist for a long time in France. You were just called a Proudhoniste um, after you know Proudhon, the the founder of anarchism, um, who then coined the term anarchism because he called himself a socialist, with just an S, you know, just just a normal lowercase S, just called himself a plain old socialist, and then the term socialist got banned in France, like using the word. So then he invented the term anarchism. To describe his words as a substitute and then the word anarchism got banned and then the word libertarian got invented by another guy to replace uh you know like the vision for anarchist communism or whatever uh, whatever this is a total sidetrack um but yeah basically um the one thing i think we found out in this election is that um basically also i would say the the way the down ballot races went to me also suggests that um like i was having this conversation the other day uh you know like who did the george floyd protesters vote for or did they at all and my theory is they didn't if you went to a protest you were if you went to one of the protests over the summer um i'd say a lot of those people did vote but i'd say the people if a lot of them also didn't yeah I would, I would want to see polling data before I say this definitively, before I say 100% one way or the other. Because I want to see, like, you know, the data that shows turnout in urban centers versus 
you know, 2016 versus any time before that versus whatever. Um, Define some maybe like a I saw that with this on Twitter before, but we can we can look at it. Uh, we can look time. at it later because this episode should wind down now. Um, yeah, for sure. But well, I've had uh, a great time, so yes, and I've had a great time too. It's a good episode, but uh, I would say, um, like, oh, here's the uh, look here. There's the United States of Apathy map next to the one you just clicked on. Scroll oh, down again. There you go. Yeah, that one. That one's from. Yeah, the Bloomberg things from 2016. I'm pretty sure back when, because if you look at it, a lot of the urban centers have little. It says Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is from 2016, um, but what you actually notice is that a lot of the major cities, even in 2016, where Hillary Clinton won in all the major urban areas, but even in 20, even then, um, in a lot of those cities, nobody would have won if nobody was a candidate. Um, yeah. And. Even, regardless of how high, how many people in those cities, like how many millions came out to vote for her. Um, and I think we might see a similar dynamic where I think the urban working class population just, it's been checked out for a while when it comes to elections. And I think, you know, the George Floyd protests, the uprisings over the summer, that was just a repeat of something that's happened in American urban centers for over a hundred years. You know, a cycle of rebellion that breaks out when, you know, tensions spike, things boil over due to some- I'm not sure event. how calm this four years are gonna be. No, I'm, I don't I think they're gonna be calm. I don't think people are going away, but I'm thinking, but I'm saying that, um, if you were involved in like this urban uprising over this summer, I'm saying chances are that most of the people who participated in that maybe didn't vote. The well, organizers could, could you argue that they would have they would have voted for Bernie to go back to our earlier discussion? Could I think you could, but I also think a lot of those people have been thoroughly checked out for so long that. This because this is what I was getting at earlier too with Bernie, where Bernie was his whole thing was I can get um, non-voters and left-leaning independents who don't who, I can get people who don't normally vote for Democrats or don't normally vote at all to vote for me, and my whole point was with that maybe we underestimated just how hard it would be to get those people to vote. Yeah, it would have been incredibly hard. The populations that are apathetic have been consistently apathetic. If you look at the studies too. Um, people are aggressively against it, voting. Yes, and I think that's something we, we, we've definitely not taken, the left, the center, and the right have not taken into account. And that's why everybody's surprised and wrong about this election. That the people who, the, the populations that are apathetic are in conditioned apathy, deep apathy. They have not cared for a long time and it's very very hard to make them care much harder than anybody thought and so the republicans you know they've been thinking that they've had to make sure that a lot of those apathetic people can't vote they've had to make sure those people can't vote for a long time oh whoopsie daisy out of nowhere a bunch of people who probably haven't voted before i trump this is an underrated story this is an under discussed story trump has over the, I, I would I would probably say this time and in 2016, 
actually was the guy who, when it came to the general election, was the one who was getting first time voters. <laughs> like the guy was actually getting a lot of. Well, I, well, I mentioned it last week that Republicans have measured more voters than Trump's president than Democrats. Yeah, more people, like millions of people came out to vote for Trump in a primary this year where he was essentially unchallenged. The only guy, there was one guy running against yeah. him that most people didn't know was running. Millions of people came out to vote for a guy. In some, in some states, I think the write-ins got more than Bill Weld. Yeah, and either way, they, they were all rendered totally irrelevant because none of them garnered more than like a thousand votes in a state or a few thousand. Donald Trump was getting hundreds of thousands, millions of votes in primaries that meant nothing, that were so meaningless that some states were canceling them. And he was like, he's got people under us. I think that's one thing people underestimated. He may be a historically unpopular president, but he is historically a popular Republican. And he's well positioned to run again in 2024. Yeah, and he is in actually, I would say he is in a strong position to stick around. And, and if not, he's in a strong position to be a kingmaker. And yeah, to, because every he could do rallies for someone else. I don't think he would because he's an arsonist. Three percent of but... Republicans came out for him this time. Ninety-three uh, percent came out and voted for him this time. As well, ninety percent support Republican. Yeah, that, 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 that voted. As opposed, yes, uh, yeah. of the night, yeah, of the ninety percent, you know, in Republic in twenty sixteen, he got like ninety percent. This time, he increased it up a yeah, little. Yeah, so the Lincoln Project did a great job. Yeah, Link, the Lincoln Project did a wonderful job of uh, buying ads in the swing district of Times Square. Yeah, I saw that tweet too. That was funny. Um, yeah, buying. Uh, you know, I'm sure the people who um, I, I'm sure Cuban Americans who have defined their entire lives in in, re, in the in their father's relationship to Castro, um, like <laughs> like the the whole generation of Cuban Americans who have zero connection to Cuba anymore, but their parents were right wingers who fled from Cuba. Um, like I'm sure those people loved smug white people telling smug Anglo's telling them like like Rick Rick Wilson or whatever his name is these smug crackers who hate non-white people who are virulent racists about Muslims spamming them with spamming them with ads about the dictators they hate like I could see all I guarantee you the reason why Florida flipped like that. The only swing districts where the Lincoln Project ran ads was in Florida, and in swing in the swing state of Florida, and um, I guarantee you those ads probably angered a bunch of Latino Republicans to the point where they, go, you don't, where they were like, "You don't tell me about socialist dictatorship. I know everything about that because my grandfather had his plantation stolen by Castro. How dare you talk to me about that? I know everything about that. Like I could." I'm sure that kind of reaction is what the Lincoln Project ultimately got. That's it probably helped contribute to Trump actually doing better this time than in 2016. Sorry, I know we're supposed to be burning down, but we've already gone so over time, so it's like well, whatever. But yeah. um, but the thing is, when you talk about Texas, it's really far away. What's interesting is that Biden got more votes in 2020 in Texas than Trump got in 2016. But Trump got so many more votes too. Yeah, the that's what I think is really massive. interesting. That he got such a massive increase, and I think that's one thing, because um, we were talking pre-recording about you know like 
the you know the french canadians in quebec versus french canadians outside of quebec like that tension and in places like texas there's a tension not just with between the different hispanic communities where you know like white hispanics and his people you know white hispanics who are wealthier and more likely to speak english you know all the time you know who who most closely identify or basically uh, white people let's be real yeah who are white people and who republicans are and who i would say right wing the right is working very hard at destroying that idea any level of separation between them and just being white um and these are people who basically do identify as white um you know it's not just the communities between like the tension between that community and then like you know um, Spanish-speaking but very indigenous communities, or something like that. There's tensions between within like the Mexican community in Texas between, you know, forget the class and no, not just the don't forget it, but the you know aside from the obvious class divide that exists within all racial communities, um, within all races, there's obviously class divisions uh, that inform their experiences. Um, Vuvuzela. Uh but um, I was gonna say that there's a divide even between like the Chicano population whose families are Mexican and they've been living in the Southwest since the Southwest was Mexican, and then the Mexicans who have come here more recently, the immigrant Mexicans. There's a lot of conservative Chicanos who do, there is a long history of Chicano xenophobia against not just immigrants in general, but against their own fellow Mexicans who look just like them and talk just like them. Yeah, I mean, there's tensions over between... here, and there's tensions because you. Be, I, and I remember, like, there was a video during one of the George Floyd protests somewhere in California. A guy who definitely did not look white. Um, he was very obviously Hispanic, um, mainly because he was partly cursing at people in Spanish, um, who hopped out of his pickup truck, stopped dead in the middle of an intersection during a Black Lives Matter protest, whipped a chainsaw out of the back of his truck, and started using the N-word, hard R, and said, don't let these N-words fool you, all you crackers, don't let these pendejos fool you, they're all pendejos, like saying that about and they're all n-words saying basically screaming and cursing in spanish and english at a crowd of protesters that were mostly white people carrying these uh you know black lives matter signs um there's also a significant number of black people in that crowd but i think the minute they saw an angry uh, chicano man start cursing and screaming at them they ran because and, and the white and the you know white people who are probably doing protest tourism stayed because they don't know when to run. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this video was, um, and we're seeing that video and it circulated around and there is this, it speaks to a certain history of tension. There is a lot of tension amongst people of color. They're not amongst, between minorities and within minority groups. You know, even though Democrats and media commentators like to talk about them as if they're just singular big blocks that you can just move from one partisan column to another. Yeah, and I was going to make a point here that I thought of, which is a lot of 
a lot of people have been saying that demographics will be, you know, they. The nope, that's Nazi golden, talk. <laughs> no, no, I know, but they'll. No, I mean they'll be like the. the, the I mean, it's not just Nazi talk in the United States, at least. I mean, it, it originates with them, obviously, but like, you know, people have been saying that because Democrats are going to win every election once it's a majority minority country. Yeah, I whenever I heard people say that, I said, hmm. I, I wonder if there were like people in the 1920s who thought, well, when this country's majority Mediterranean, you know, when the wasps are a min- when when Anglo well, wasps are a minority now, right? When Anglo Protestants are a minority, yeah, wasps uh, are definitely minority. Yeah, then we will. The Germans aren't even wasps, right? Germans Germany don't men- count. Yeah, Anglo Saxon yeah. is just, you're descended. Irish from the don't even count. <laughs> yeah, you're just. It's a just, very small minority now. Yeah, but like. English-speaking Protestants, you know, white English-speaking Protestants, you know, that population. Once, once they're the minor, once we're a majority-minority country, and Anglo-Protestants are just a, uh, a plurality, we'll have a progressive majority in this country. Psych, um, didn't happen. Why? Because um, they decided that Sicilians could be white now. That that was the extent to which they were willing to take. Um, playing was, fast and loose with yeah. the idea of the color line. Um, what I was going to say is that I think what actually might be the destiny that will perhaps help the Democratic Party, and I think the key word is here is perhaps because they have to take advantage of that. They can't just sit on their asses like they've been doing. But what can help the Democrats and left-leaning movements even more, even more so like le- more left-leaning, um, more left-wing political movements is the changing class dynamics which is because of late stage capitalism is basically making younger people more and more radicalized and more and more and even the ones that aren't radicalized are more and more liberal especially and on social issues too but like just the fact of you know we're not in the post-war economy anymore we're not in a place where people cannot go to college and still have a decent quote-unquote middle-class life with the what we talked about is the faux capital of ownership home ownership you know that is kind of going away and that is driving mm-hmm. people away from the status quo. And it's also driving some younger people towards Trump, unfortunately. And I, a worrying statistic is that among white voters under 30, Trump got 45%. Yeah. And I remember is, like I've, I've yeah. gone over some, some other polling information pre election. I went over this. So this doesn't have to do directly with the election that generation Z our generation is considered is according to Pew the most pro-government um, generation. We, like ninety something percent of our generation think that our government should be doing more to help people or to you know should be more actively involved in people's lives. That includes all the right wingers in our generation. There's a tiny, tiny, tiny handful of libertar of of libertarians who are fine with letting trans people exist and simultaneously want to be able to like sell their children on a free market. Like there's a very tiny handful of weird Gen Z libertarians who are not free market. You can sell a slave, <laughs> but there are a lot more like Richard Spencer style alt right. Uh, kind of peak zoomers who are 
and this is the future I think we're headed in where we keep seeing people talk about like the populist realignment or whatever. I don't think it's a populist realignment. I think it's a nationalist um, and uh, it's a realignment in terms of capitalism and it's in, in the role of the state within capitalism where neoliberalism has run its course and Literally. is too unstable for capitalism to continue working off the neoliberal model. Um, and the result is going to be even bourgeois parties, even capitalist political forces have to do something different. Like social democracy, what, what, cause what was fascism? What was, uh, it was, a, what was fascism? What was, uh, you know, phalangism, Nazism? What was, uh, social democracy? What was, uh, F FDR and the new deal and, uh, the cooperative federation in Canada, uh, you know, what, what were these things? They were the, what was the P, capital P progressive movement in the United States? It was, um, you know, a shift towards a more state-oriented and state-centered capitalism. Um, once, once we let the Gilded Age free markets run amok, um, the governments stepped in, curbed the power of financial capital, and uh, took a strong role in... Um, making sure that industry was productive and that we were having industrial growth and making sure that, you know, there was industrial peace between workers and managers. Um, and then neoliberalism came around. We deregulated everything. Everything got super globalized. We blah, have blah, these blah. tech companies, which are a real, like, real change, interesting, think, real interesting dynamic there that we should talk about in the next, in our next episode about like who supports who. Or you know, in the the real future episode that we'll have, um, but uh, I think these are very interesting things to talk about. I think we've had a very interesting conversations so far. I think the future of this podcast is looking up, not down. After this election, it was going to look down if Trump won again, and then we're going to be staring at a cell in Guantanamo. No, just, yeah, um, I would actually be broadcasting out of a hole in the ground uh, rather than we broadcasting on uh, like, pretending like, to be. Like a, Chinese site because there's only one that will <laughs> I'm broadcasting out of my Chinese listening post that I had built that I helped build with my bare hands in the middle of the Rocky Mountains um well, did I tell you that like uh, like fantasy joke that I made of like well when we have the uprising for George Floyd we're gonna have like the Chinese Air Force come in to support us like just... <laughs> uh, the the uh, like, yeah. you know the uh Bay of San Fran uh, <laughs> that's what it's going to be. <laughs> the, the Bay of, uh, the Bay of Gritties. Or Putin Sound, I mean. Um, the Bay of Gritty, the, the Bay of, um, Bay of Antifas, you know, when, when you come up with an animal <laughs> that, it, it, nothing is quite as fun as the word Bay of Pigs. It's just yeah. that it's literally called that, so they're just lucky. Well, I mean, we could use it again because cops. Yes, yeah. The Bay of uh, Anti-Pigs is when um, the Antifa super soldiers will land their army, um, will move in their army from outside of Canada and Mexico and uh, seize the country with air support from the Chinese. Yeah, all right. I think that's... Uh... I think this is long enough. Yeah, this has been almost two hours. It's been over two hours. Um, wow. 
Well, um, I have to eat something. Yeah, me too. All right. Um, take care, everyone. Uh, have a great week, and we'll see you. We'll see you next week, or maybe before that. Uh, I might have an episode with uh, Canadian MP, so we'll see. So watch out Ooh. for that. We'll watch see. out for that. Watch out for that. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Bye bye.